So it's basically the Patrick division plus the Bruins and the Sabres. And man, are the Penguins in for a rough ride if these divisions play out the way they're currently being reported. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio podcasting network. I also have shows every weekday morning on the Steelers and the Pirates if you're into football and or baseball, but you're a hockey fan, and I know better than to ask you to say that out loud publicly because hockey fans only like hockey, right? Am I right? Well, hockey fans are going to be in for some fun, presuming the divisional realignment that's being forced really on the NHL by the coronavirus and Canadian border situations comes to pass the way most reports have them. If you haven't seen it yet, there will be four divisions. One of them, of course, just with the Canadian teams. The seven Canadian teams all have to stay north of the border. So that leaves 24 teams for three even divisions of eight each. In the Penguins division, it'll be Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, the Flyers, the Capitals, and the Penguins. And yikes. I mean, the longest active streak of making the playoffs in the NHL belongs to the Penguins at 12 years. And I don't know, man, because I don't I don't know what the format's going to be. I don't know if you, if you have to be – uh, comparing records within your division, or you can compare them to teams outside the division if they're eventually going to loosen up the schedule, make it flexible so that you can bounce around and play some other teams. I have no idea. I don't know that they do either. There's 56 games, and there's eight teams in this division. So I strongly suspect that however this gets aligned at the beginning is the way it's going to end up. On top of that, on top of that, you have existing animosities between the Penguins and a good many of the teams that I just rattled off to you. And one thing that's been most commonly circulated as it relates to this schedule is that you'll be playing baseball-type series. Like, you won't just go to Newark and play the Devils once and leave. You'll go to Newark and you'll get your games in against the Devils. Does that make sense? Oh, boy. I mean, we're talking about Flyers here. We're talking about Rangers. We're talking about the Bruins. We're talking about the Capitals who still have this rancor for the Penguins and vice versa. Um, Never mind what's almost certain to be a really tight time schedule. You know, I don't think you're going to be seeing huge gaps between games. Uh, This is going to be very, very different. And yet, at the same time, very, very familiar. I don't blame the NHL at all for any balance issues. Uh, I've seen uh, on social media already that there are fans saying, oh, they should have found a way to make these divisions fair or whatever. No, no. That can never actually be a consideration when you do these things. When you're doing – 
anything that's based on competitive balance, you can't be playing favorites or you can't be doing things based on the moment. A team that's in last place one year can be in first place the next year. The division, just for fun, though, that a lot of people had the Penguins going to before these most recent reports. And again, I'm going to remind that this isn't complete. None of this is complete. None of this has been stamped by the NHL just yet. It's going to come soon, though. The other division has the Blue Jackets in it, which, again, tells you where that line of demarcation was going to be. It was going to be the Pennsylvania-Ohio border between what was considered too far west. And it's also got Carolina in it, which would have been a possibility for that new Penguins division had the league decided to just go a little farther south than Washington. So anyway, that division is Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, Chicago. The two Florida teams... Minnesota and Nashville. So it's basically an expanded central plus the Panthers and Lightning. It's, I think it's going to be pretty competitive in its own way. Uh, I mean, the Hurricanes and the Lightning are going to be the two teams that are the class of that division. Uh, but there's still enough good hockey to be played there. The Western, none of these have names yet. I'm just just making this up. The Western division would be Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, Los Angeles, San Jose, St. Louis, and Las Vegas. And again, you know, is it a stronger division? I don't know. I mean, Dallas just made it to the final. Colorado is a team that, you know, wouldn't have surprised anybody if they had just won the cup. So there's, you know, St. Louis is in it, and they won the cup the year before. So there's some quality there, too. The Canadian division has its own quality uh, up there. Vancouver is a team that's very much uh, on the rise. Uh, One of these years you would think Edmonton would get it together with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the same team, but I'm not holding my breath in that regard. Uh, Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, all kind of in the same similar situation. And then you've got uh, – and, and Calgary, too. I think you could put them in there as well. And then there's Ottawa, which is basically Matt Murray and a bunch of kids. The division to beat the best division in this league – is the one that Pittsburgh will be in. That can either help or hurt you. They can either beat the living snot out of each other for three months or however long the season actually goes, the regular season, or they can become better hockey teams by virtue of better competition. I'm in the latter pool on this. I've always been a believer in that. Um, When you talk to hockey parents, the biggest concern that they have for their kids is that the kids aren't playing good enough competition. It's always, always number one. That's why they put in the countless miles uh, in the vans, the minivans, and station wagons, whatever, getting around to make sure that their kids are facing opponents 
who will challenge them, opponents who will make them better. The same thing applies here. It, it just does. Uh, the Penguins have a lot of different types of teams that they'll face within this division. You know, some that are built on speed, like the Flyers. Uh, some that are built on more being uh, rugged, like the Bruins, to a lesser extent, maybe the Capitals, although the Caps sure, certainly have their share of speed, too. Uh, the Rangers and the Devils uh, have all the kiddies right now, so you'll be facing younger teams there. Uh, the Islanders, uh, let's not forget, they, they just advanced farther than anybody out of this group in the recent Stanley Cup playoffs. The Islanders you wouldn't turn your nose up at saying that they would be the class of the division. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. You know, they're the ones that just made it to the Eastern Conference Final. They're the only ones that did out of this group. And they're not exactly old either. So it's it's rough, man. <laughs> it is. And you know what? I wish it started tomorrow, right? When we come back, I'll be joined by Taylor Haas. Welcome back. I'm joined now by Taylor Haas, who covers hockey for DK Pittsburgh Sports and First Off. Hi, Taylor. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, John Marino might sign a long-term contract with the Penguins. Uh, that's something Dave Molinari from our site reported in last week's Friday Insider. And to look at the situation including the technical aspects of his deal and his status, I have a hard time picturing why you wouldn't be aggressive with that if you're the Penguins, other than, of course, not having any money. But maybe if you could take our, our listeners through that process in a little bit more detail, why that might be an advantageous thing for the team. Well, so, I mean, the flat cap is is a big factor in, in, in re-signing players right now. It's, so the, the salary cap for next season, it's at $81.5 million. Um, and it's not going to to rise at all until the league uh, hockey related revenue they call it exceeds uh, you know just over three billion dollars in the previous season, which means um, we could be at 80, yeah we could be at eighty one point five million for a while, especially when you figure we don't know when fans are going to be allowed in the building and the NHL is a a gate driven uh, league, so. Um, Marino, he's a, he's a restricted free agent coming up, which means, you know, the, the Penguins can qualify him, retain his rights and, um, and, you know, have, have those first negotiating rights and pretty much make it hard for him to leave. Um, but I mean, the, the big question is, does, does he want to sign your long-term deal given that we don't know when, when the cap's going to go up because the Penguins really can't afford to give him as much as he would have gotten otherwise in a normal, in a normal year, Heather not been a flat cap yeah i don't think there's much dispute about that especially if you look at well marcus Pedersen was signed in corona times and he got himself a, a pretty fair deal uh i i look at the at the other contracts that the penguins have signed recently with players who they consider to be young and exceptional and having potential and they've been you know jake gensel was what right around in the six range something like that six million per yeah. Um, 
Brian Rust, which everybody howled about at the time, was three, three and a half, and now looks like the bargain of the century. Uh, I just feel like if you go at this player and you trust him, and I think you'd agree with me, there's every reason to trust what we've seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> John Marino, uh, both with our eyes, analytics, uh, film study, everything. He is exactly what he is, and he's only going to get better. You could actually protect yourself against future uh, cap issues by locking up this player, even if it's at a significant amount. You know what I mean? What Taylor, it, it, we're not going to be that far removed from this being your number one defenseman on the hockey team. Yeah, and that's that's why it would be good for the Penguins to lock him up. But, I mean, like I said, the question is, would he want to sign a deal like that? Because, I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, what really happened in, in free agency this year where, you know, a lot of the younger players who probably would be due for, for long-term, uh, you know, high-salary deals otherwise didn't sign those deals. Like uh, Taylor Hall, you know, he, he signed a one-year deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Buffalo and then, you know, with the hope that maybe, you know, the cap will go up and then he would be able to get paid what he's worth. So I think Oops. that's really... Yeah, what the question is, uh, you know, with Marino is, is does he want to go for that, you know, you know, long term contract security or does he want to really, uh, you know, bet on himself and sign a sign a short term deal and then just hope, you know, the cap goes up? Yeah, that bet on yourself thing. I guess one thing that Marino has definitely got in his uh, in his corner is that Harvard education. Uh, you and I know uh, both of us from dealing with him on a regular basis. This is a pretty bright young man. Um, he's going to make an intelligent decision one way or another. I just happen to feel like from the Penguins' perspective, look, they could, like you said, they could ride this out. Marino's contract for the coming year pays him, I believe it's 925. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's basically standard stuff. That's entry-level stuff. But if you pay him up front, something that's a lot more significant, money that he could not possibly have been counting on this early in his career. And remember, he wasn't even a pro before last year, never mind NHL, that all of a sudden he has this opportunity. I have a hard time saying no if I'm him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean, you, you talked about Pedersen. Something Pedersen did was sign, you know, one year for for less than he was making before with the promise that then they will make it up to him. Uh, and like, you know, maybe overpay him uh, or pay him more than he would have gotten otherwise. Um, so they could do that too. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways they could go with this. Oh, okay. I didn't understand. I can, now I understand what you're saying. Yeah. They, they say here, help us out with the cap now. Yeah. And we're, we'll take care of you in years, two, three, four, whatever it happens to be. And you kind of just keep kicking that can down the road, which the Penguins of course have been doing with the cap for about, oh, a decade and a half now. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, when you have Sidney Crosby not <laughs> yeah. taking a raise in, in how long, uh, 8.7 million, yeah, they have uh, a lot of guys on, on team-friendly deals with that. Is there anybody else on the roster, Taylor, that you would circle as maybe a candidate for something like this? They really don't have that many. Uh, I mean, Marino's really the only notable uh, free agent. I mean, on the restricted side, you do have Teddy Bluger, Aston Reese, and Mark Jankowski, and I mean, depending on how Jankowski fits, maybe you mm-hmm. look at Resigning him, Aston Reese. I, I I don't know if, if he'll bring him back at all, especially with some of the young guys coming up. Bluger uh, could really go either way, and I think Bluger, either way, like so he is restricted. I think you you maybe don't make a qualifying offer to him, but uh, still try to resign him for cheap, just so you're not locked into 
you know, the, those rights. And then on the, on the unrestricted side, um, uh, Colton Sevier, Cody Cece, Evan mm. Rodriguez, guys that could, yeah. you could let walk. It's <laughs> yeah. I'm not being mean. They're just easily replaced. I mean, they are, they just yeah. came in and, and did what somebody else could do, which is replace somebody else who's easily replaced. Uh, Teddy Bluger, though, on the other hand, is that's one I'd circle. I'd love to see Teddy Bluger uh, play a, a long, healthy career in Pittsburgh. That's a terrific hockey player. Oh yeah, I mean Teddy Bluger out out of that group, I think he's the one that um, I'd be, you know be the next most likely uh, to resign. But then again, you don't know. Um, he could with you know the flat cap and with Marino be you know getting a raise. There are going to be some some casualties. So I mean Bluger would have to resign on the cheaper. You know you could bring up a guy from the Wilkesbury that could uh, you know fill you know, kind of that same role for, for less. So, I mean, if Bluger's going to stick around, he, he can't expect to get paid too much. She's Taylor Haas, and she and I just spent roughly seven minutes spending other people's money because that's fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Taylor. I appreciate it. Thanks. When we come back, just one question. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you always by the good people and unfortunately way too busy people right about now at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Their mission is feeding people in need, and I don't need to tell you that that situation's never been more dire in our society and specifically in our region. Make a difference. Do it now. Don't put it off. GrowShareThrive.org is the website. It's extremely user-friendly. It'll only take you a couple minutes. Uh, You'll feel better about it, and infinitely more important than that, $1 is all it takes to provide enough food for up to five meals. Today's question comes from Vince Laboon, long-time reader, by the way, uh, of my stuff. I've been seeing Vince's name in my correspondence going way back to my earliest newspaper days. Vince asks, hey, DK, what are your thoughts on the moves made for the Penguins' third and fourth lines? Are we doomed for another Riley Sheehan and Greg McKegg letdown? Ooh, wow. It always hurts so much more when they when they drop the names in, you know? Greg McKegg. Greg McKegg's actually made something of himself, and so is Riley Shane. They've made some money in the NHL. I don't know that they were disasters either in Pittsburgh, but I, I get the spirit of your question. You don't want to have nondescript uh, players anywhere in your lineup. And 
I think in the perfect world, okay, the perfect world, the Penguins lived in 2016 and 2017 because they had a, a third line that just fell from heaven with HBK. That's rare stuff, man. It just is, you know. You're not going to have a player of Phil Kessel's caliber on your third line in almost any situation. That's just it's going to be the standard around here, I'm sure for a long time, but it it's it's not it's not realistic in a salary cap league. The way I look at the third and fourth lines, uh, first of all, is I've never been a buyer that the Teddy Bluger line is the fourth line. They haven't been the fourth line in a long time. Mike Sullivan likes labeling them that because it's the whole, you know, look at our fourth line is so awesome, and it makes the team feel as if depth matters and, and, and all that other stuff. Teddy Bluger's line between Zach Aston Reese and Brandon Tanev is really the Penguins' third line and is going to be that once Aston Reese is healthy. So what you're really asking here is about everybody else and how they fit in. Mark Jankowski was acquired from the Flames. He's mostly a penalty-killing type, but that's what you use your fourth line for. That's where you, quote-unquote, store your your penalty killers. You know, they have to play some five-on-five, but the real reason they're in the lineup is for PK. So Mark Jankowski will be one of those guys. Evan Rodriguez, Sam Lafferty, uh, Jared McCann. Uh, these are your really your your four candidates to take three spots. And if Aston Reese, well, Aston Reese isn't going to be healthy to start the season, but until he is, then you're probably looking at Lafferty being with Bluger and Tanev. That's just me guessing at that. But it seems to make some sense there. So you would have Jankowski, Rodriguez, and McCann as your fourth line. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't feel like McKegg and Sheehan to me. You know? Um, I also don't know that it matters all that much. You do want to get secondary scoring. Um, That does matter. Uh, We've seen the difference that it can make, um, not just with HBK, but over the years in, in other situations. Championship teams usually do get secondary scoring. They do have that kind of depth. Uh, It's the number one trait that the Lightning had in just winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, I'm not down on them, to answer your question, mostly because I believe in Bluger, Tanev, and Lafferty. Um, i got to be sold uh, on the rest of these guys, and believe it or not, including McCann, I don't know what he is. I don't know what position he plays. I don't think the Penguins know what position he plays. I don't know if he profiles to be one of those guys who's stuck in the bottom six only because he can't fit in the top six. There's a lot of different things they gotta they gotta look at as a hockey team. Um, this won't be popular, but I wouldn't have minded hanging on to Dominic Simone. Here, there's an answer you didn't expect, but I think. Dom would have been a really, really good fit for a third, fourth-line situation. No, he wouldn't have scored either. But, you know, he would have been good at a lot of other di- a lot of other different things, and he would have been available to you to slide up into the top six. Oh, wait, now you're tuning out? Oh, I, I felt you there. <laughs> Thanks so much for the question and for listening today. Mm-hmm.
your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.